Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world. And on that note, soon we're going to be traveling to Portugal, where I spoke to the founder and program director of a program which helps bring kids from all over the world, specifically in North America and Latin America, to Portugal to experience um, training in a professional environment. They also have a specific program to help you technically get up to a professional level and they give you exposure to professional scouts in Portugal with um, a sincere opportunity to sign professional contracts. And I spoke to him and they've had some success stories. And what attracted me most to these guys is it's extremely reasonable price, reasonably priced. It's so reasonably priced. I asked him the same question that people ask me about anytime soccer training. How in the heck did you guys make any money? So I'm looking forward to taking you guys to Portugal and making him available um, for your questions. All right, this show is brought to you by Anytime Soccer Training. Anytime Soccer Training is a training program with well over 5,000 training videos. If you recall, if you've been following this space, we started with a, a promise of over 1,000 training videos. That number quickly blossomed to well over 5,000. Why is that? Because we want to cover everything. We want to be a total solution for individual soccer training at home. And we want to make sure um, any child can use it at any level and the progression goes step by step. It's perfect for coaches who want to help their children, their teams get extra touches at home and don't want to spend so much time searching for random YouTube videos and wondering if the kids are doing it. And um, it's very cheap. It's less than $5 per player per year. That's right. Less than $5 per player per year. And we offer free onboarding, meaning we do everything for you. And so it's it's easier than sending them a YouTube video and you have all this stuff for the whole year. So check out anytime-soccer.com um, to request a free demo. We'd love to get you started. It costs less than one of your kids' uniforms. All right. So now let's get on to the show. This particular show is not in any particular order. It's something that was on my mind from having some discussions um, in the Facebook group. And I thought, you know what, I would drop a quick show on it. Um, uh, because the things that I'm saying don't necessarily come across well in chat when you don't have a lot of context. So I wanted to kind of summarize some of the stuff that we've been talking about throughout the year and add a little bit more context. So, so let's do a quick recap. If you recall, in addition to um, being the founder of Anytime Soccer Training and a soccer dad, I also fashion myself as a parent, trainer, and a card-carrying member of the Youth Soccer Consumer Protection Agency. Both of these are titles I created, which no one else understands. And so I do this podcast so you <laughs> so you understand, so you have some context and see that, yeah, I, I, I create these terms a little bit in jest, but there is a, um, some, a serious uh, underlining, some serious underlining principles as well. All right. So members who have been, listeners who have been listening to the podcast for a while, 
know, um, you know, have heard me, my spill on parent trainers, but we have a lot of new members. So let me tee this up by quickly defining what uh, I consider a parent trainer uh, is. So a parent trainer is a parent, right? Um, who is defined by a set of belief systems. Set up. We have some beliefs in common, let's say it that way. And we do things to support those beliefs, right? So we have a few in common and we do things to support those beliefs. Now, that doesn't mean we have, we share a lot in common. Parent trainers range across the gamut of personalities. But if you were to distill down their core beliefs, these three would be somewhere in, in the mix. All right. So we believe in the power of deliberate practice. And I'm going to be quick here because I've talked about this a lot. We believe in the power of deliberate practice. If you want to be a better free kick take, taker, go outside and kick free kicks all day. If you want to be a better painter, practice your strokes. If you want to be a better musician, practice your scales. We believe in the power of deliberate practice. There's no debate there. When you get into what are the best methodologies, the pedagogy, how long, what age, yeah, we can have that discussion. But fundamentally, we believe that anything is better than nothing, right? And we we have seen it work in our lives. We've seen it work in other people's lives. And now we're just sharing that with that um, timeless knowledge with our children, okay? Parent trainers also are unwilling to outsource 100% of their child's development uh, to someone else, right? There are practical reasons for this. I just did a simple calculation because I was looking at the reporting feature in Anytime Soccer Training, and I looked at how many hours my older son has trained with the app um, using Anytime Soccer Training this year. And I can't remember the exact number, but it's something really high. And then I multiplied that out by, you know, the average individual training session rate. I think I used like $30, where really it's $40 to $60. And it would have cost $100,000, $200,000 per year. would cost me over $100,000, maybe even $2,000. We haven't finished a year yet of, of tuition, basically, to give my son that much individual training. This is prohibitively expensive, right? So, and that's just one of them, right? So we haven't even gotten to the other one. So, so there are practical reasons, right? And you can't squeeze in 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there with a private trainer, but that time adds up. But then there's also sort of the mental and mindset reasons, right? We don't want our children to think that in order to get better at something that they want to compete at, somebody else has to be getting paid or someone else has to be with them. Your development starts with you. That's you as an adult and that's you as a child. If you want to be good at school, the only time you're doing homework cannot be when the teacher is in your face or a tutor is getting paid. Both professionals are important and can help you in certain ways. But ultimately, you got to go to the library and you have to put the time in, period. And if you do that, then when you go to that tutor and you go to that teacher, you are going to be able to say, I spent hours working on this problem. I was able to solve X, Y, and Z. But when I get to D, I just don't understand the concept. And that teacher and that tutor will be in a much better position to help you as opposed to coming. I don't know these concepts. I'm not familiar with this subject. And they have to spend their time going over every single component. And that's what happens to our, um, to our youth soccer coaches. I always say, I'm giving our coaches uh soft clay that they can mold right they have a child that's healthy um sorry eating healthy i should say they have a child who is going to be well behaved 
and technical and they can mold them into a, a good soccer player as opposed to getting someone who's already bricks and they got to chisel away and rebuild them moving on so we don't want to outsource 100 of our child's development to someone else and we don't want our children um thinking they need someone else in order to get better but um the parent trainer understands the dilemma and there's a dilemma there right um we believe the development requires a degree of instant gratification, things that are just simply fun, they want to do it, and um, delayed gratification, things that they don't hate them, but they don't really want to do them, but has a much bigger benefit in the future. Well, we are standing in for the child until the child is old enough to stand for themselves, and we know stand in for themselves, and we know if we push too hard, we're going to, um, uh, the proverbial, blow the candle out, but if we don't give it any oxygen, they um they won't reach their full potential so we're constantly trying to get strike that right balance that was the motivation for creating anytime soccer training because i saw technology as a way to uh, help my children get better where i could be actually more uh, hands-off and hands-on which now has blossomed into another um sort of whole theory that i'm coming up with called the third way where no, we're not just watch your kid. We're not put your kid in these ultra competitive environments and then just watch them play. If you just want to watch them play, put them in rack. That's what I do with all the other sports. They're in rack and I just watch them play. But once they step into this these ultra competitive environments or these competitive environments, which require three, four days of their time, well, there's some other things you want to get out of it, right? So how do you help them in a positive way that doesn't that does more good than harm? That's what we're talk, talk, calling the third way. We are reflective. We are helping them practice without the pressure. We're not interested in individual uh, specific performance games at any particular time. This is all the third way. And I'm going quickly because I'm actually headed to my son's practice pretty soon. So I'm trying to wrap this one up before, um, before we head out. But that's the third way. Now on to the protection agency. So if you spend any time in youth um, soccer, right? then you, you're going to hear a lot of great content from coaches, club directors, and other practitioners on what we as parents uh, should be looking for in a soccer club, soccer team, development, you know, you name it. And this information is important, but remember, these people in many cases have not, or at least they don't appear to appreciate uh, the parent's perspective in some respects. So what I try to do as a consumer protection person, I shouldn't say it like that. I should say it another way. They either assume there's a base level of knowledge that the parent has, or the assumption is um, whatever they're saying is actually happening, right? So it's the execution. There's no gap in between what they're saying and, and how it's being executed, right? They assume that what they're saying is how things are being executed, where I actually think the biggest issue is not understanding sometimes what is being said. It's like, OK, but the execution is the execution there. And if the execution is there, how do I know if the execution is not there? How do I know? And that's where the consumer protection piece comes in. So what I try to do in my own crude way, which never comes off well on social media, is I try to take this stuff and distill it down into common sense language that even our dumb parents can understand, including myself, that has a measurable, and this is important, component to it. 
has a measurable component to it. When you see this happen, this, this is an indication of these other things that, it, depending on how interested you are, we can go into a measurable component. And I call these indicators. And I don't tell the whole story, but they indicate directionally, you know, where things, where, where things are going. All right, I said a lot there, but I'm not trying to sell you the car. I am saying if a car is a good investment, it should have these things, or these are some of the things you should see. And this is kind of how I would sort of measure it. And I use my wife as barometer. She cares nothing about you soccer, right? She's intelligent, but she could care less about it. So I want to be able to explain something to her that she can look at it at a game and immediately get the meat and potatoes of what I'm trying to explain. So now that I said all that, why is that important? Because again, when you listen to coaches, you know, club directors, anyone on social media, everyone is right, right? Everything they say, every club is creating the right environment. No one, they're everyone, everyone speaking develops, I mean, cares more about development over winning, right? Every team is focused on individual development. There's no problems in youth soccer. Oh, actually, wait a minute. There are a zillion problems in youth soccer, but it's just not us. We do things what they what they say differently. And I'm being facetious. I hate to sound harsh because I'm not criticizing. This show is not about criticizing anyone who's volunteering, in many cases, volunteering, but definitely not anyone who is spending their time trying to develop other people's kids. So it's not that. This is for entertainment and educational purposes only to say, if you listen to the youth soccer um, industry, you know, if it was education, everybody is on the track to go to Harvard, but we know this is not the case, right? So what I want to do is step in and say, okay, 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 wait a minute now. If, I, if you're watching a game and you're trying to determine if things are going well for your team or things are happening, and, they, and let's just say they've been with them for over a couple of years and it's three or four practices a week and the games, this is some of the stuff that you should see. And so that brings me to the final thing, which is, I think the title of this podcast is going to be, Does Your Team Pop? All right. So in a previous podcast, I, I did a show where I said, you know, there's a simple screener I use when I evaluate a soccer team, right? And I actually only have a couple more minutes before I have to take my son to practice. So I'm going to string through this, and then I might do a follow-up, a uh, shorter follow-up one later. But there's a few things I look at when I want to, that I recommend you look at when screening a youth soccer club, right? If you had to look at a hundred, you know, hypothetically, you had to look at a hundred youth soccer clubs, especially in the foundation phase, and you had to screen them down to create a short list of ones that you think may be doing the right things. What are some of the indicators you would look at? Well, first is I look at, do they have the ability to consistently connect at least five passes? And as my older son is getting older, that number should increase, right? The next thing I look at is upon receiving the ball, do the players instinctively check up or do they just punt the ball away or just dribble as fast as they can until something happens or are they looking up evaluating the option? And finally, I look at are they disciplined in defense? Do they take shape in defense? Uh, do they fight for the ball quickly? And that one arguably is a lot more subjective, uh, but it does, if you were to, um, measure you know how long their possession was how, how what percentage of the time they had the ball more than likely you know the inverse of that is they 
attack the ball quickly and get and get possession back. So that's kind of how you would back into if they're organized on defense. All right. In aggressive uh, in, in attack, attacking the ball. All right. So that's what I look at in screening, especially the first two. Are they looking up? Because that's actually pretty difficult to do. Are they looking up, checking their shoulders? And are they do they have the ability to connect five passes? These are indicators because if you're a youth soccer team, especially in the foundation phase, and you're able to connect five passes, that means the spacing, the movement, the touch. There's a lot of things that have to be happening in the training pitch for everyone in order for you to achieve this. All right. So then, um, so then the take today's topic is the question is, does your team pop? So if someone were to ask me, you know, Neil, come look at my team and tell me if you think the environment is whatever just give me your opinion where well, i'm going to use the pop metrics right i'm you know this is very general i'm on the sidelines i'm watching now of course this would be over in a, over a season and i'm actually not even telling you this as something literally to do but this is the framework that i use in understanding uh, my child's son, my child's team and if i'm critical on where i think a team this is sort of one of the frameworks i'm using to evaluate that does the team pop all right, so the first thing I'm looking at, the first P is possession. Can they possess the ball, right? Do they have the ball? Well, if I just said possession, you may or may not know what that is. So again, we go back to the screener. The measurement I'm using is, can they connect at least five passes? As they get older, my older son is U13 now, I should see more. That first P is, can they possess the ball, right? So um, the second P is, I mean, sorry, the O is, are they organized in defense? And again, we talk about this. If you were to measure, you know, their time of possession, if they're organized in defense, more than likely you would see um, their time of possession going up. You would see movement. You would see people fighting for the ball. You would see space being closed down in a sense of urgency when they don't have the ball. And you would see kids who are clearly not as athletic win the ball because they are more, quote unquote, aggressive, because this is actually a learned behavior in some respects um, that kids can execute if it's practiced enough, right? Do they, are they organizing the fence? And finally, and I talked about this in a podcast where I said, why do teams score? Are they able to penetrate? Right. So, yes, we want to possess the ball. Yes, we want to be able to um, connect passes, especially in our own half. But then that's designed to build us up to get the other team out of um, disorganized, swing the ball, move the um, pivot, the chain. Uh, uh, sorry, pivot the point of attack so that our more creative players and more technical players can penetrate. And I define penetrate as the ability to connect at least three, four passes in a row, or, and then with the understanding that a dribbling pass someone is the equivalent of, of, uh, of making a pass. It's normally three in a row. Sometimes it can be two, one back, and then a long one. So it's like three out of four. Three out of four. I think I'm actually going to change this to three out of four, four passes in their half. If you can get three out of four, four passes consistently without you know interruption in the other teams half it's extremely difficult not to what they call break lines it's extremely difficult not to uh, uh, result in a very very good uh, chance right 
And so when it comes to any time soccer training, when it comes to working with my own children, a huge percentage of what I am doing is helping them uh, with that penetration aspect of it, whether it be a quick first touch pass or being able to dribble past someone and create, right? Because, and we're going to talk about that. There's always a debate about, you know, how the coaches and the team should spend their time and where they should focus and individual versus team, whatever. We're going to talk about this. So I don't want to make any strong proclamations, but you can't do it all. I don't feel like a team coach, there's just not enough time in a little bit of time there with the kid. Cause we did a podcast where we said 97% of the time, the kid is not going to be in a team environment. There's not enough time to get all three P's. Um, to to a high level and so team coaches tend to focus on when they do on the organization and the possession right because if you don't get the organization and possession right you're not going to have any opportunities to penetrate anyways and there's a lot of other reasons for that and then it's up to the individual players um, to work on those individual skills needed to be able to break lines to be able to um create an attack it's not to say the teams don't work on it they do but even if they did focus on it it's just not enough time um, in a team environment to get kids at the level necessary to be able to create in the way that you would need them to be able to create at a very competitive in a, in a very competitive environment and that's where the coach in many cases takes what the kid is giving them and just adds a little bit of organization to it in order to help them penetrate. And that's where I come in with any time soccer training. That's where I want you to come in and help your child is, hey, we're with my children, we focus on some very specific things. I talk about this in other podcasts. And but one of them is the ability to get by people 1v1. That's why we have all these 1v1 videos and, and sessions in the program. That's why we have the hundreds of 1v1 moves plus the in the opposed and the unopposed because it's those two seconds to be able to get by someone that creates those those chances and makes the child pop and it's the organization it's the uh, penetration and it's possession that makes the team pop i would love i'm about to go now i'm at the final throws of this i would love to get your impression on what makes your team pop how do you know a team is popping and how would you explain it to my wife you know you start talking about penetration and you start talking about breaking line, you lose them. So I'm explaining to my wife, you know, hey, can the team connect five passes? Are they organized on the fence or they just let the other team just run around with the ball? And um, and can they penetrate? Can they connect three, three to four, three out of four, four passes when they get into the final half? Right. That's what I'm looking for. And um, and that's what makes them pop and why. And, and so when I work with my, when I work with Adam and Matthew, I'm working on their ability to penetrate. And there are a lot of ways, there are ways of doing that. And that's what I look for. So I would love to hear how you would explain it to us dumb parents on what um, development, what are the results of organizational development for a team? I hope I didn't miss anything. If I missed something, I will come back to the next podcast and uh, and recap. I'll listen to this and try to fill in some some gaps. But hey, guys, uh, happy think this is Thanksgiving weekend. Happy Thanksgiving and happy World Cup. Let's go, Team USA. Let's see if we can get a get a result out of uh, Iran, a win out of Iran, and go to the next level. So let's get better together.